everyone. Welcome to the North and Artist Conversation. My name is Mark Kelly. I am your host uh, on this uh, podcast journey. Thank you very much for stopping by and checking us out. Um, yeah, so we're recording this middle of July. This will come out in August at some stage. Uh, I will say that tonight we've recorded It's Bloody Cold. <clears throat> yep, that's all I have to say. <laughs> Thankfully, there's not a lot of wind out there, so it is. It is just it's nice. Us having a look at outside. Um, it's just waiting, waiting with our uh, our tonight's guest. Um, uh, because her uh, partner had decided that um burger time. So um, I, I waited out there with her. But it's a, it's a beautiful night. Lots of stars in the sky. Um, uh, this will be out a bit late, but I hope you all enjoyed Matariki. Um, yeah, it was very cool. Um, definitely a good weekend for it. Lots uh, lovely. Lots of really cool events as well. So. Yeah, hope everyone enjoyed themselves. I'm going to go to my camera now. Um, yeah, so today's guest is Jenny Purchase. Now, it's an interesting. I put a pause there in a really weird place. Um, Jenny, <clears throat> Jenny kind of came to us uh, via Michael Boater, former guest, and um, as we do with pretty much the majority of our guests, I'd say like 95%, um, we were sitting down having a bit of a chat beforehand, and um, she lives she lives down the line, not not terribly far down the line, still in Northland, but you know, just a bit out of town, and she said you know, she was driving in, she was like super relaxed, feeling good, and then when she came inside, she started feeling nervous, so we sat her down, and her and I just talked, and we just shot the breeze, and... Um, you know, it was it was kind of one of those things where people that haven't done a podcast or anything like this before they they can they can be quite nervous, um, but then by the end of it, uh, it's gold. It's all happy days, and um, you know, by the end of it, she th- has thoroughly enjoyed herself. And I tell you what, you guys will notice it when you watch or listen. Um, you know, as it gets towards the end, um, you know, she's a, a lot more laid back. Um, and it was super cool. You know, she had a good time. Uh, I think uh, producer Andrew, she enjoyed herself. Eh? I think that's probably fair to say. Yeah, he's he's nodding his head, which is great. So I tell you what, I'm going to shut up and stop faffing on. Let's sit down and have a conversation with Jenny Purchase. this i i have no degree in journalism or anything along those lines i'd never been someone that would sit down and in depth interview people i did this because i like talking to people and that's really about it so on that high note jenny purchase welcome to the northern artist conversation thank you thanks so much for having me guys (laughs) Good to be here. Very, very cool, and it's um, we're really stoked to have you on board as well because obviously you're you're in the in the throes of um, uh, sort of getting together, finalising a very, very cool project that we'll talk about at the end. Um, but it is definitely a project I'm certainly looking forward to um, hearing more about, Jeez. and and I know yeah. our listeners and viewers will as well. So um, thank you very much for coming in. Do appreciate it. Now, as with everyone. That comes on. We have one of these groovy little sheets that we send out to everyone asking for some for some basic information. Now, um, with everyone, we always like to go back, and I mean way back. 
In my case, you will need to go way back. <laughs> As of this year for me, it was going back 48 years. So that's fine. It's fine. Definitely feeling my age. Mm. Producer Andrew, shut your hole. Especially in winter. <laughs> Definitely in winter. Uh, and I, I played a game of badminton last Monday. First oh, time wow. in 30 years. Uh, my knee's still sore. My wrist still hurts. And I forgot what forearm muscles were. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd like to thank um, Aaron Kerr from North and Horror for dragging me out kicking and screaming. I had a blast, but I still hurt a week later. Ouch. Yeah, and I'm meant to be going back next week. Maybe you should keep going back. You won't hurt so much after well, a while. I, I possibly, but it's mm. hard because I, I podcast every second. We podcast every second week, so True. I can only go once a fortnight. Okay. Mind you, t- two weeks to give the body time to recover. Yeah, <laughs> should, should just do the trick. <laughs> Now, um, for those of you people that are, are listening, um, you may pick up that Jenny is uh, does not have a New Zealand accent. Where are you from originally, Jenny? Um, I was born in a country in sort of South Central Africa called Zambia. Okay. Um, now, but when I was born there in the 50s, it was actually a British colony called Northern Rhodesia. So oh, really? yeah, so um, there was Northern Rhodesia, which is yeah. now Zambia. Yeah, there was Southern Rhodesia, which is now Zimbabwe. Oh right, yes, and, okay, and yeah, yeah, yeah. there was Nyasaland, which is now Malawi. So the three of them were called the Bechuanaland Protectorate, and they were a British colony until wow. the sixties. Yeah. Um. My parents had actually uh, grown up in South Africa, but they were very unhappy with the politics there. Right. In the in the fifties. Challenging times. Um, very challenging because the national government that brought in apartheid had just come into power. Yeah. Now we're not talking about and the National Party. Not the not, not not New no. Zealand's <laughs> National Party. There's a bit of no. a different National Party. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Back, back in South Africa. Back in the day. So they they got a job opportunity up there. And, well, my dad did. My mum didn't work. She was a stay at home mum with. Right, yeah, kids. Yeah, um, so we were born up there and grew up there, and um, and that's why I've got the accent that I, that I do, uh, because well, later on they sent us to school and uni in South Africa. Right. So okay. I then got educated and got my BA degree in in South Africa and lived in South Africa for the first part of my adulthood before I came to New Zealand in 1998. Right, okay, so you were yeah. there for a good few years. Yeah, I was there for about 20 years. Okay. And then um, my life changed radically. I got divorced. I felt I needed to start over and some more stuff that I'll tell you when we start talking about the project. Yep. Um, that I grabbed my three kids, four suitcases, and ended up in New Zealand. As a, as a teacher, I had discovered that New Zealand needed teachers. That yes. A short Staffed, yeah. Shortage, yeah, definitely. Especially in certain subjects, unfortunately not mine, which is English. But, um, you know, science, maths, etc., etc. Oh, yeah, definitely. And definitely. so I thought, well, um, you know, I'll make a go of it over here. I knew some people that had, lived, that had come here before me. And I also had a distant uh, cousin and his wife living here. Right, okay, yeah. Like a fourth or fifth relative type thing. Yes, yeah. yes. Okay. So I'd, I'd heard lots of good things about New Zealand. Yeah. And um, the situation in Africa, both personally and politically at, at that time, was really difficult. 
During the 90s, um, a lot of turmoil. It, yeah. A lot of yeah. turmoil, if I remember rightly. I mean, geez, for, for me. The 80s as well. Oh, yeah. Well, the, yeah. 80, the 80s especially. I mean, yeah. I remember the... Um, the I remember the Springboks coming to yes. New Zealand. Um, I remember the political march that happened. I think it was down Queen Street in Auckland um, at the time. I remember. I remember it was a big deal, and yeah. um, Dad was always really into rugby, like massively into rugby. So I remember him making a big deal out of the Springboks coming over. I was like, oh, okay, must be a big deal. Mm. Um, you know, and that's obviously you know the years of apartheid, Nelson Mandela, and, and those sorts of things. Yes, um, yes. So. Let's. We've covered off a lot quite quickly. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. There's a lot of stuff packed in there. There's, it, it is. Mm. It, it, we're going to unpack some of it. We're going to unpack some of it because at the moment you're a what part-time teacher. I'm a, I'm a relief teacher. Relief teacher, but your your creative expression is. Writing. Writing. Yeah. So you're a writer. Yeah. Um, now we've had uh, ooh, quite a few writers on here now. We've had Lauren Roach, Michael Bota, Catherine Lee, um, uh, our own um, Marino uh, Bergman, who uh, does short stories. She does all the communications as well for the yes. podcast. Um, and we've had a few few others, haven't we, Producer Andrew? Yeah. I, I, I want to say Vera Dong as well. Uh, yeah, we've had we've had we've had a, a fair chunk, which is great, mm. which is very cool. We always love um, uh, getting the writers in. Um, I, I know most of those except Vera. I haven't met her yet. Oh, she's she's uh, she was so cool and so lovely. She's from Kitty Way. All oh, right. Yeah, so she I think she came down for the trip. It was quite mm. cool. So let's unpack your I guess. Essentially, we could look at it and say your life has been broken almost into two halves, right? Well, three really, because three. it was the childhood in, in Zambia. Yep. And then the education and early adulthood in South Africa. Yes. And during that time, I lived near Durban, Cape Town and Johannesburg. Right, yep, yep. So quite, quite a lot of, seen quite a lot of South Africa. And then coming here when I was 42. Right, with okay. With three kids and, and four suitcases. And four suitcases yeah. and starting over, yeah. So, I mean, the three... Let's have a look at the... F let's go back to the first part. Um, I guess one of the things I'm really interested in about, about is having talked with a number of writers, we've, we've had the ones that have discovered their ability quite early on and have just kind of written all the way through and they... Um, will we'll just write anywhere that the motivation takes them you know when the muse strikes it's like scrapbook start writing stuff yes. out um but then we've had people that have sort of discovered that skill later on in life um so that's me that's uh, yeah. you okay yeah. but the interesting thing is that having found writing we've been able to go back and actually identify that there has been some creative expression there from quite an early age yeah what was it for you yeah. um I remember distinctly in about standard three. That standard we, three we, is we uh, called form, form shit, five. What, form, form for, uh, standard three. Year five. Uh, year five. Year five. Year five. Uh, come on, producer Andrew, you've got bloody kids. I know standards. Yeah, I know standards. <laughs> um, <laughs> you've got no standards either. <laughs> we well, actually, it sort of really goes back earlier than that. When I was a little toddler, my dad used to read to me every night. Oh right, cool. And I'd sit on his knee and he'd read. Um, 
you know, the, 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 the nursery rhymes and yeah. stuff like that. And I started getting an ear for language and I loved all the rhyming stuff, which most kids do, of course. Yeah. And then um, when we went to school, it wasn't about standard three, year five, that we started studying poetry. and Oh, wow. And I started realizing that I had a fascination with language. Right, okay. You know, yeah. the way it's constructed and what have you. And we'd have to copy poems off the board and illustrate them in our books and all that sort of thing. And I always remember um, The Highwayman, which is a, tra- a traditional British poem about um, not the Middle Ages, but, you know, the 1800s when... when Stagecoaches used to be attacked by highway oh, highwaymen yeah, and okay. robbed and all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, of course, your your imagination gets aroused as yeah. well through language. Definitely. Because it's some something completely alien to you. It was a different country, England. We were in Africa. Um, and you imagine the highwaymen, you know, riding through the night with the moon shining and um, and so your, your, your childhood imagination gets aroused. Yeah. And then, of course, went to high school, and I was very fortunate that I was sent to boarding school because I actually ended up at a really good um, school near Durban, and we had some fantastic teachers, and so my love of language um, grew. I never got into the sciences, interestingly. Yeah, I wasn't, yeah. I, you know, I wasn't interested in biology, science, no. um, physics, all that stuff. I just, it was just language, and I studied French at school as well. Because of course French is the, is the second most spoken language in Africa, so really? for teachers it's a very good second language to have because so many African colonies were originally yeah. French colonies. I did not know and a, that. And a lot of uh, Black African people speak French yeah. as their second language, okay. other than their um, or, you know original the re- language. yeah the regional dialects yeah yeah, yeah. and um, of course it it just was. It followed naturally that I went to uni. I did a BA degree in English, French, and German, and, oh, wow. and philosophy. Wow. Okay. So I was always fascinated by language. But when we were at uni, there was very little, and, and school, there was very little um, creative expression. It was all studying the masters, studying yep. the greats, you know, studying the greats of American literature, studying the greats of English literature. So all along, I kind of thought, uh, how can I put it? I didn't think I could do it because they were all so marvelous and they were all so talented and they were all so good. And uh, and I I was good at appreciating them, but I didn't, and appreciating language, but I didn't think... I had the talent. The bar to write. is set so high. It is set so high. If you are, if you're it looking is set at, so high. if you're looking at Twain and Shakespeare, and yeah. all of you know, and Rand, you're looking at all yes. of those people. You're going, brilliant, brilliant. Man, this brilliant. is phenomenal. Mm. And you look at it and you go, I'm never going to get there. I, I can never be as good as these guys because their works are held in such high esteem mm. now it's almost like and we're going to break down the sentence and what they were saying here it's like what's well, a sentence um so I, I could imagine that you know whilst you may have had the desire to start using language in your own way i i was a consumer i just was i just consumed 
I read everything and I just was a voracious reader. Great word. And because I had a BA, which we jokingly refer to back home as a bugger all degree, um, <laughs> I, you know, because it doesn't actually qualify you to do anything specific. Um, when I left uni and graduated, I actually went and worked in the real world. Okay, right, yeah. So on the one hand, I had this, well, I had this double life. I had the, the world of books that I was reading through yep. voraciously. Yeah. But then I had this ordinary life where I worked in banking. I worked in, as, as a librarian. Um, later on, got into a bookkeeping, accounting, management, um, and eventually hospitality as well. Okay, yeah. Yep. My husband and I ran a nightclub in Johannesburg. So I had this very, very worldly um, experience, and it was only when I had young children mm -hmm. that I decided to – I was at home with them, looking after them. Three, yeah. li three little babies under the age of five, and I was going crazy with – you know, lack wow. of intellectual stimulation. Mm -hmm. So I decided to study um, to, then to become yep. a teacher. Right. A, okay. A senior secondary. Yeah. So I went from teacher. the bugger all degree to a yes. parlay that into a teaching degree. <laughs> yeah. So but, my thirties, I got into teaching. Right. Really. Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> and then I started thinking about maybe writing something. Yeah. And I wrote some terrible poetry, and oh. some terrible lyrics. Because um, I'm I'm also a musician, guitarist, and pianist. Yeah. And uh, I just you know, um, like I would I would take a Bob Dylan song, Ooh, and the yes. rhythm of his his lyrics, and yeah. I would try and put my own lyrics to yeah that, and they all always sounded so lame. But again, <laughs> such a high benchmark. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, Bob Dylan. That's he's one of the great. One of my one of the great. absolute greats. I've got a huge photograph of him at home in my study. He's yeah, but you again comparing yourself to a a living legend. Yeah, you know, you could have compared yourself to someone a bit more, like oh, <laughs> yeah, Bob down the road that's in the covers band that writes the occasional well, original. I compare myself to him. Well, he's pretty shit. I write better than him. I think. <laughs> I think. I think this is where you where the inadequacy comes in because you. Um, you do, you know, you revere these people and you see what they've achieved and you think, God, little old me, will I ever, um, you know, sure. write, write yeah. anything worthwhile? Yeah. As it happened, I did write something worthwhile and I got accepted into um, AUT's uh, Master of Creative Writing degree. There you go. Where I met Michael Bota. Yes, and we were the only two short story writers on in that, oh, right. in that year's intake. Okay. So we developed quite a strong bond. Yeah. And um, and we both appreciate, you know, what, what's involved in, in the writing of a short story. It's a very different... It's a different discipline. discipline. Yeah. yeah. Um, a, a novel is a cruise. Yeah. A short story is a crossing, like a, a ferry crossing in, yeah. in rough seas. Yeah. It's a completely different beast yeah so uh, someone explained it to me you've got a novel is a marathon short stories like the the 400 meters a sprint <laughs> and then the micro the micro story yes. that's the 100 flash meter dash fiction. flash fiction yeah that's the dash yeah that's when you want to be usain bolt <laughs> yes so 
how it's, it's it's really it's really interesting because you you started off with a love of poetry you're now in the novels and you've also had lyrics in there as well they, they, they're all very different they are in terms of discipline i but there's a there's a common denominator and that of course is language and 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 storytelling yeah and storytelling and yeah. and Conjuring up images and yes. verbal images and yeah. stuff like that. I, I remember years ago, and this is going back to, I guess, one of my earlier bands, when I used to write lyrics, I listened to a, I listened to a lot of music where everything rhymed. And then I discovered Pearl Jam. Huge fan of Pearl Jam. Really, um, the singer and lyricist Eddie Vedder is amazing. I gravitated towards the song Jeremy. Uh, which is off their first album. Now, in in that song, um, none of it rhymes. It's just sentences, and some of those sentences flow into the next lyric. Mm. And once I understood that it wasn't about by Thai try yeah. sky, um, it my my brain exploded, mm. and then I was able to write words that conjured up images. Um, and it's funny because I'll, I'll share the story. I don't think I've shared it with anyone so far on the podcast. Um, I, so I was the lead singer in a metal band. Um, although what we did wasn't sing, what I did wasn't singing. It was just Cookie Monster growling into a microphone Oops. and being an angry man. Um, and I'm, so not Metallica. No, heavy, <laughs> a lot heavier than Metallica. Oh, okay, a lot heavier. Okay. Um, and uh, the. The guys had just written a song, and I'd, I'd feverishly scribbled down some lyrics. And we got to the, we, we'd kind of gotten the way through the song, and I got up to the chorus, and I sang out the first line, and everyone kind of stopped. And I was like, "What? What's what's happened?" I remember looking around, and they were like, "What was that line again?" I was like, "Which one?" It's like the the first line from the the chorus, the the, the one you just did. I, I said it again, and they were like, "That's really dark." <laughs> And I was like, oh, okay. And then we had to go back and, and then we stopped again when they heard the lyric. The lyric was, um, so the song was, um, did you read ever read Roald Dahl? Yes. Oh, it's lovely. Oh, yes, I love him. I tales love his of, short stories. Yeah, tales of the Unexpected. Great. Yeah. Um, Fantastic. Writer. I was a huge fan of, um, there's two of them. There's the Lamb to the Slaughter one. And then there's the one where they, there's three of them. There's another one where they talk about this desk. It's uh, like a um, Chippendale desk, very yes. very rare. So I, I took the title "Lamb to the Slaughter" and put that as a as a the, my song title, and uh, um, it was a, essentially the song was about um, someone who was trying to bend you to their will. And the <laughs> the first line for the chorus was, "I will devour all your hope." That is pretty dark, Mark. <laughs> it's a very dark that line. Is, but you've actually touched on something critical here to the creative arts as far mm. as language is concerned, is that it's it's a currency. Yeah. So you, you can borrow and and you can do bricolage and you can mix and match and you can Absolutely. And I also didn't really cotton on to that until I was a lot older. I kept thinking Oh no, that would be plagiarism, you know. But now I realise that everyone does it. All creatives do it. Even artists yeah. do it. They copy. They yeah. copy the people they admire, 
um, they even do mock-ups of their work. Oh, yeah. yeah. To teach themselves the craft. So you've just explained to me now the creative process. You took a title of somebody's story and you made it into, into something completely a, different. a song title yeah. and it inspired you to write those very dark lyrics. Yeah, <laughs> very dark. How very polite of you. <laughs> They were, but it was funny. We got them printed on the back of a T-shirt. Proved out to be quite popular. Um, but that, I think that's also I. I have a love of um, words and languages because they can uh, words can really create emotions, and um, that was something I was always drawn to. I I love. I've always had a natural love of linguistics, um, like hearing other languages and then being seeing if I can understand it in my head and then work out where it where it comes from and then the the vowel placement and mm. how you say it with your mouth the sound yeah um yeah. that goes in with you being a musician yeah, yeah and definitely. and with me too the sound of language mm. being a trained musician you, you do respond perhaps on a different level from somebody who hasn't played a musical instrument or studied absolutely music. because when you and Producer Andrew, he's um, he's a rapper. Um, he does hip hop, um, and uh, we'll be uh, we'll be doing one of his music videos later on this year. Um, oh. yeah, I know it's very exciting. And um, but even he understands, and, and we've had many conversation talking about um, different uh, rappers and musicians, and he's uh, shown me some different artists uh, and rap and hip-hop and it's made me appreciate it more and coming from metal it's been vice versa as well Mm. so you know i think as a creative you have to be open enough to understand um that your small segment is not the only segment it's uh it's a whole range of things Uh, i mean especially in the world we live in now yeah where you've got japanese girls dancing to the beatles and um someone in the southern states of america banging the bongo drums from the Congo. I mean, everything is just so available to everybody now that we can tap into any culture. Okay, you've got to be careful about cultural appropriation, of course. But um, you can borrow and you can steal, but, you know, the shiny stuff. Stick it into your own way. Yeah, not take the whole thing. Bits and pieces. Little parts is okay. Mm. Northland Artists Conversation are incredibly proud to support the Quarry Arts Centre. Quarry Arts Centre, amazing place, uh, located on Selwyn Ave in Whangarei. Um, Such a wonderfully beautiful venue. Um, They are an art gallery and they have some amazing exhibitions and they also hold um, Te Kōwhai Print Trust as well. Um, Another really, really cool um, artistic endeavour that's done as well. Um, They will have different exhibitions and shows of all different types of uh, medium available as well and they're such a a long-standing venue in the community as well. Um, Highly recommend you checking them out fantastic place uh really really cool to take the uh, the kids and family as well so um north of Nars conversation proud to support the quarry arts center obviously there's when you're a creative person and you know, music as we were just talking about you, you you sort of do tend to think of things differently now i'm very very curious to know 
about the transition period from stage two to stage three in your life because that that's that's not a small stage because because people get divorced i am i'm divorced um but leaving for another country halfway around the world with kids and four suitcases quite quite extreme big move big move how much of that if any has sort of come into your writing um i mean maybe not directly yeah like this happened to me it's in you know the story of abigail is based on blah blah blah, blah. yeah yeah you know it, is any of those sort of experiences have some they of it seeped has. into the writing? Yes, yeah. it all you take your emotional memory into your writing. Okay. So everything you've experienced, um, the hard stuff, the good stuff, the scary stuff, the fun stuff, you know, I think um, I've got this theory that all all writing, even though I write fiction, it's it's basically autobiography because if you can. If you can imagine a character, if you can imagine a scene, if you can place that character in that scene and make something happen and dialogue and action, and you must have either witnessed it, seen it, imagined it, uh, believed it was, you know, it was, it was realistic enough to yep. write a story about. So there is a huge amount of my life in, in that sense in the book. Um, being a teacher, I've taught at uh, college and in tertiary mm-hmm. and um, I've come across people from all walks of life right. all, all yep. different nationalities um, I've been on the fringes of you know different situations that have intrigued me and so I've written them in for instance example my son played rugby from an early age okay. after yep. we came to New Zealand yeah and I noticed a, quite a strong sort of drinking culture at the at the rugby club. And they would... <laughs> Producer Andrew is nodding his head. <laughs> and, and, I mean, my kid was, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15, playing rugby, and they were giving them a funnel and tubes down in the changing rooms after games on Saturday afternoons. I'm oh. going back 20 years, okay? okay? I'm going back 25 years. Yeah. This Nowadays, is in the 90s. <laughs> This is the 90s. You know. Yeah. And so I started thinking about, and you know how when the All Blacks lose, um, there are many more, you know, there's much more domestic violence that night. There's much more, there's many more assaults. I'm, I'm sorry, more. what now? <laughs> so, Producer um, Andrew. So no, I've written a this. story called Dead Ball Zone, which is about this couple that are having marital problems, and he's a rugby fanatic. Right. So, you know, you tap your... Your your life experience, what you've witnessed, what you've seen, what you've observed, starts feeding into what you're going to write about. Okay. Okay. Yes. Uh, that's just one example. Um, another example was, you know, a story I've written about a teacher who's who's got a lot of difficult kids in her class and how she she sees one of her students smoking dope on the other side of the playing field during okay. during break. Yeah. And normally teachers would dob those people in straight away. Right. And then then they go through the disciplinary process. Well, I'm not a teacher like that. So I wanted to write about a teacher like me. So I'm the sort of teacher that 
understands that that girl is far better off in school rather than staying at home with her her gang family. Right, know? yeah. So I will welcome her into the classroom after break and I won't even mention it because I want her to have the opportunity to maybe still make something of her life yeah. even though she's come from a, a hard scrabble background. So yeah, you tap into your life very much so. Um, but fiction gives you that ability to um, not name names and, you know, you can you can tell, take real-life situations, but you can fictionalise them to the extent that um, no one can really recognise what part of your life that comes from. You've right. So, okay. And see, this is, so this is part of the reason why we love doing these podcasts because it always we're always we always learn something and it always forces me especially to to think of these interesting questions you as a writer just said that a lot of your books have parts of your life involved in not directly maybe indirectly 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 do you think that being able to project onto that character is able to give you a sense of objectivity absolutely yeah absolutely um you you have to step back and you have to think about um you've got to make it interesting for the reader you've got to make it interesting for the consumer so you're not going to write in a whole lot of um emotional stuff you you want to just write in it's got to be subtextual so it's got to be beneath the surface so you want to write in your action and your dialogue and your you know what's going on yeah. and keep it quite filmic oh scenes okay. yes. write scenes you know this happens in scene 1 that happens in scene 2 that happens yeah. in yep. scene 3 but the subtext is is there that the the viewer or the reader can see that Oh shit! This is about teenage kids that have been neglected. Yeah, that's why they're making fires. That's why they're pyromaniacs. They want attention. They want, you know. So you, you try not to state it too overtly. You've got to let the 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 reader put put two and two together and discover for themselves wow, what's it, going on. There, there's a there's a line. Oh, what the hell is it called? It's something the third wall or something. Uh, um, oh, there's a term. You do it in theatre as well. Yeah, there's a term that they use for it, uh, and it, 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 often it's with uh, writing and filming, um, and, and like TV shows. What the hell's it? What the hell's it? It's um, show me, don't tell me. Yes, yes. But but Mark, sorry, I I just wanted to. Um, just backtrack a little sure. bit to what you Let's said back, about yeah. me coming over to New Zealand. Yes. Um, I I mentioned that when I lived in Johannesburg, my husband and I got into the nightclub industry. You did? Yeah. You owned a nightclub together. And this was together. in yeah. the um, house and trance era. So there was a lot of drug taking going on in, in the nightclubs yes. at that time. And, you know, the music was all that house trance Electronic, Electronic grab a stuff. glow whistle and some uh, glow sticks. <laughs> yes. So um, what what actually happened was really tragic. My husband got involved 
and started take, taking drugs. He he was there at night running right, the, the okay, nightclub yeah. and I was at home with the three little kiddies. And he just started using this and that and the next thing. And um, things went from bad to worse over a long period of time. But right, yeah. by the time I, I came here, things were so bad that I needed to get myself and my kids to a safe place. Oh, wow. Okay, right. So that's what actually precipitated us. Yeah. Because you asked, why did I move halfway across the yeah, world? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then when I got here, um, I was a solo mum with, yes. with three kids, right? Yes. So this new book project that I'm working on actually grows Great out, of, transition. out of that. Yeah, because was, yeah. the experience of being a solo mum with three kids, I, I was a teacher during the day. Yes. But I, I was sole breadwinner as well. So I was moonlighting all over the place. I was working in restaurants. As a bar manager, I was uh, working in the hospitality industry here. I managed a band called The Vibe. The Vibes. For a few years. Yeah. Um, so I was constantly juggling. So the writing, actually, I never had time for it. Right. Okay. okay. So I wanted, I wanted to. Yeah. I, want, I felt there was so much about my life that I could write down, that I could record, that I could turn into stories. Yeah. Because I've seen so much, I've done so much, I've lived in interesting places, but there was never time for it. So it's only just more recently that I've finally, now that I've sort of semi-retired, and I met a wonderful Kiwi bloke here. And, your, you know, your, your, your second husband. Yeah, we're yeah. together now. We've been together for, I think, about 13 years. And so all that stress of having to be a solo mum and, and raise the three kids on my own. Yeah. only lasted for about 15 years. Thank God. Is that, <laughs> that all? That was long just, enough. <laughs> just 15 years. <laughs> that was long wow. enough. So anyway, the, the idea came to me that um, themed anthologies are very popular in New Zealand at yes, the moment. Yes, they are. They are. And, and a number of have been brought out over the past five years or so. And it just occurred to me that, you know, no one's yet treated... Solo parents are like a sort of, um, they're on the margins of society and we're aware of them. But just by virtue of the label, you're already, be, you've been marginalized. You don't get invited to um, like dinner parties, for instance, because you might be a threat to someone's husband or wife or whatever. Okay, yeah. that, that happened to me a lot. Okay. Um, and... You have all those stresses of having to be mum and dad, nurturer and disciplinarian. Yes. And you, it's all rolled up in the one person. It yeah. gets very difficult at times. So um, it occurred to me, what about putting a book together with stories, um, a range, a variety of stories? Yeah, yeah. Because once you start looking, you you. You start uncovering all these different absolutely um, stories about mm. people's solo parenting experience. Yeah, and one thing about um, art is that, as Stephen King says, art is a support system for life. Yes, it's not. It's not the other way around. So, if people can see themselves reflected, if they can read about themselves mm. in in fiction or see it in on film yeah or tv series or whatever they feel acknowledged they feel they're not alone mm. 
they feel that their voices are being heard. So I've had such a fun time um, collecting work for this anthology. We're going to have about between 40 and 50 different writers. Now this is um, called Flying Solo, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And we've got some uh, very well-known New Zealand writers, but we've also got some uh, beginners and some emerging writers. Which is great. Which is great because I wanted to give an opportunity to some new people. Yeah, definitely. Because I was once there and I know how hard it is to yep. get anything published. Absolutely. So um, it's really going well and we've just done a boosted campaign to raise money to pay the writers for their work yep which ended up being pretty successful we're hoping to get the money to for the publishing from grants we applied for yeah because you've i mean so it was interesting we you you're obviously quite close with lauren roach um she's been on the podcast before um she was when she was on she talked about um the paper shortage that there was at the time because of the ukrainian war which I thought was really interesting. Now, I don't imagine that... Because you, you'll be self-publishing? No, we're going with Lesavia Publishing. Right, okay. Who published my book of short stories. Right, okay. Last year. Because I was going to say, because you know, um, another one of our former guests, Michael Boater, um, is also self-published as well. And yes. I don't imagine that in itself is a um, cheap endeavour. It's not. It, it's very expensive to publish a book. Um, this book we've costed at about between thirteen and fifteen thousand dollars. Thirteen and fifteen thousand. Because of course, since COVID wow. yes. and the the global situation we're living in at the moment, the cost of everything has gone up. Yep, absolutely. So the, as you say, the cost of paper, the cost of ink, the cost of shipping, the cost of um, designers, the cost of of um, editors. Etc. 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 So, yeah, it's it's getting up there. You have to get help. Publishers even apply for grants. You know, like really? yeah, like Massey University Publishing. Yeah, they've just been given a grant for three books. Um, Victoria Uni. Yep. They they apply for grants. Oh wow. Um, Auckland Uni. You know, well, university publishers do. Yeah. And then some other smaller indie publishers do as well. Right. Which is the publisher I'm using, okay. Lasavia from Waiheke. And obviously so. you sort of have that relationship already with them yes. from your first book. Yeah. Um, it's actually um, owned by Mike Johnson, who is um, a veteran New Zealand writer. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's quite cool. He's written loads of books yeah. and poetry and... So it's got awards and all that sort of thing. Oh yeah, well that's you know it's always good to have. I mean it's always nice to have um, like a high profile name sort of behind you as well. Yeah, yeah, and and you sort of have to collaborate because, well, look, you can do it in your on your own if you've got the the moolah. Yeah, but if you haven't got the moolah, you you have to collaborate. Yeah. So um, people power, you know, the boosted campaign helped us raise enough money to at least be able to pay our writers because that is so important they they make so little money from their work yeah, anyway now I, they all have day jobs like yeah, me you know yeah we all have to have day jobs and I, I, in your booster campaign I, I read where an average writer will make 
was it like 13,000 a year? Yeah, around 15. 15,000 a year. But that's it. That's it. We're not talking like Mm. Stephen King, Dean Koontz. um, They are your point. James Patterson. They're your point one percent. Yeah. The rest of us are <laughs> doing day jobs. The, the 99.9. <laughs> yeah. Slog it out, working a nine to yeah. five, and then writing until two, three in the morning. Mm. Um, and and it's, it's like the music industry, too. There's so much competition out there. Yes. So, you know, to, to, to get to find that niche and to get yourself into that niche, it's, it's very difficult. Very, very difficult. Did you you obviously contributed a piece to this as well? This yeah, book, okay. yeah, yeah. As someone who contributed a piece and have basically put together this whole project, what do you reckon? Because this is where it gets interesting because a lot of people will see the end result, but not the work that goes on beforehand. How much time do you reckon you've spent? Estimate. I'm not asking for like exact numbers. Um, but as an as a as a like a really rough estimate, how much time would you think that you've devoted spent, to this project? I've spent at least 200, 250 hours. Look, I did start it during COVID. Wow, and it, okay, and it yeah. was it never sort of got any momentum then because everything just we didn't know, you know the oh, uncertainty. The world, the world changed. Yeah, the whole world changed, so it it sort of died. Yeah, and then I resurrected it. It um, in about March this year, but I'd already done probably at least fifty hours on it. Yeah, over that period of time, and then since I've started it up again, that is my only project at the moment. Right, aside okay. from living and teaching. Right, okay. When I need to teach, when the school. So for you, it's sort of very much that narrow focus. I'm going to focus on this one project, mm. but I'm going to do it damn well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then of course when I am able to hand it over to the publisher for design and editing, editing and the publishing side of it, I can then sit back and go back to one of my other projects, my mm. personal projects. Now that leads into another very interesting question, because obviously this is a bit of a bit of a passion project, you reckon? It's a passion project. Okay. Yeah. What? So, um. Writers will obviously have quite a few things on the go at various stages. What do you think you're going to pick up once this flying solo project is done? That you can hand it over and go, I'm good. There's a thousand hours of my time I'm never going to get back. It's a beautiful piece of art. May it go forth into the world. Mm. What do you do next? I've got a few... Irons in the fire. Right, yes. Um, I've got a novel. Now, I mean, I consider myself a short story writer. I've never written a novel. But I've got a novel idea that I'm sort of playing around with. An cool. historical novel. Yep. Set in the 1930s. And it, and it will be set in South Africa. And, okay. And partly based on family history. And it's quite an interesting period because it's pre-apartheid. Oh, Yes. Yes, and it's pre when all, everything started going wrong there, really, and the, all the racial tension started. So it's it's actually based on my dad's childhood when you know whites and blacks sort of rubbed along and lived yeah 
normally together. Now, was that pre or post colonization? Post. Post. Mm. Yeah. So I was just trying to remember what that timeline is. It's post post the Boer War. Yeah. And it's po- post World War One, pre World War Two. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, obviously, there's a lot that kind of happened in that thirty years. It's a very interesting um, time in South African history, which South African writers haven't actually tapped into. Oh, really? Other than. Um, the chap who wrote Boy, what's his name? Um, Taika Waititi? Uh, no, not that, not that boy. Not that boy? Um, He's a legend. Uh, the writer, the writer, the writer. Not Boy, The Power of One. The Power oh, of One. Oh, 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 yes. Uh, Bryce, Bryce, Bryce Courtney. Courtney. Yeah. Yes. He's, he's written about that period. But most of our well-known South African writers have written about the, the trauma you know, more recent right, years. Right, yeah, yeah. The apartheid years. So, in a way, it's quite interesting to me to go back to that earlier period mm. and, and pay it some attention. Yeah. Especially as I grew up listening to my father's stories about their childhood and yeah. all, all their experiences. You, we, yeah, because, I mean, if, you know, if, if your parents were quite sociable, then you would have also possibly heard other stories from yeah. from your parents' friends as well that, that, yeah. you, that you may have picked up along the way. And, you know, it's going to be an opportunity to sort of tap into that. Yes. Excellent. Yes. So with Flying Solo, we'll just come back to that. Sure. Um, is uh, is there like a like a, a scheduled release date? When can people sort of look forward to it? Um, we're aiming for December or January, February. So, okay, right. I mean, they always give like a three-month window because other things can go according to plan and you get out at the, the front end or yep. things don't go according to plan and you get out at the back end. Right. Okay. Yeah. And do you sort of have any idea on distribution at this stage? Um, we're probably going to need to use... Um, a distributor. Right, yeah. There's a couple of big ones in New Zealand. Nationwide is one of them. Um, I just can't remember the name of the other one off the top of my head. But it, it, it does make your job of getting the book out there a whole lot easier. My own book of collection of short stories, I've marketed myself and it's been like pushing the proverbial uphill. Because unless you with a, with have a, those contacts and those relationships, yeah, yeah, you know, to push your product out there, and I, I think it's the same with like music. pushing shit uphill with a strainer. Yes, very, very challenging. Yes, <laughs> I agree on that. Well, that, yes. that's like um, independent musicians. Yes, exactly. I think the difference is though is that we can go out and perform live. Um, I mm. don't know how. I know. I can't imagine my... an author going up there, going, "Are you guys adequately prepared to listen? I'm going to read a passage from this book." Mark, that's <laughs> that's why I loved managing the vibe because, um, I had a tight three piece, not a lot, you know, not a big band. So there's only three band yeah. members to pay: vocalist, lead guitarist, drummer, and bassist. Yeah, and. Um, I used to get 10% oh, if yeah. I booked them a gig. Yeah. 
so we charge 750 800 850 depending on the venue and i did nothing and i just booked the gig for them and we well, gotta I crack got... the whip and <laughs> I've, i had to sort out all the the um internal arguments exactly oh god uh, right uh quick show hands musicians uh anyone ever dealt with band issues before <laughs> uh yes. okay Quick show of hands, anyone had to deal with band uh, members' tantrums before? Yes. All right, so that's everyone in the studio. Throw a hand up. Well, there we go. Drunk band members. <laughs> Stoned band members. Ba- band members getting into fights? Yes. Internal band physical fights? Yes. Yeah. Really? Having, having hissy fits on stage? Yes. Equipment not working? No, yes. I no, never had that. Now, I was very fortunate when we got on stage, we were professional AF. When we got off stage, we all had bitchy moans, <laughs> such as life. Jenny Purchase, thank you so much for coming in and thank joining you, us. Mark. I really, really enjoy this. I love, I love these conversations because I have no idea where they're going to go, and this has just been an amazing roller coaster. A couple of corkscrews <laughs> thrown in there as well. So, um, thank you very much for joining us. And yeah, thank we, you. We'd love to have you back on, maybe closer to the time when the books come out. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be wicked. That'd be great. Keep us in mind. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks so much. It's been fun. So there we go, guys. That was uh, author, writer, Jenny uh, Purchase. Uh, it was gr- I tell you what, it was great to have her on the podcast. Um, she's someone that we had kind of heard about uh, for a little while through some previous guests. So it was actually nice to have her um, come on. Her, her flying solo project sounds absolutely amazing and definitely looking forward to seeing uh, what happens there when that comes out. And seeing how the end result. I mean, we've, we've her and I have talked a bit about it before, and it, it's very unique. It's very unique to me. What it sounds like is so you have the overarching umbrella sort of story behind it of being a solo parent or a, or a single parent, essentially one of the two. Um, and then you've got both male and female perspectives on that, and. I, Having having something like that is is very it's very cool and very interesting because obviously everyone's going to have a, a different perspective on things. You know, some relationships will have ended badly, some of them will have ended amicably. So, you know, getting to see both sides of that equation, I think I think will be really really interesting. Uh, and just sort of reading reading those a little bit more in depth, yeah, actually pretty exciting, pretty exciting. So that'll be due out um, either late the end of this year or start of the first couple of months of next year 2024 she mentions it in the podcast i think i think it's december 2023 january or february 2024 but you know we'll keep an eye out for it It'd be definitely something i'd be keen to have a read of anyway gotta throw to my my camera now um yeah so where can you the listener or viewer find out more about us well we have a few places first off if you've finished watching this podcast and made it the whole way through thank you very much we do appreciate it secondly um you can find us for visuals you can find us on facebook instagram and youtube all northland artists conversation for audio podcasts you can find us on spotify apple podcasts and google podcasts all northland artists conversation and if you're an artist uh, or you know someone that is an artist and you think they would be great sitting in the chair, uh, man, we'd love to have you, um, please feel free to reach out to us and you can contact us via email. Hello at northernartistconversation.co.nz. 
Dot.nz, nice and simple. We, we try and keep it simple. We try and keep everything North and Alice conversations. So that way, you know, you can kind of just do a Google search and you'll find us. Uh, we also have a Patreon page as well. Patreon is where you can um, donate, give a little more, um, support the podcast, help us to continue to grow. We really appreciate it. We have uh, three Patreon supporters. I'm going to shout out for them. Uh, but what um, Patreon is, is we have uh, two tiers. So the first tier we have is uh, what we've affectionately called a cup of coffee it's five bucks a month nice simple uh, just says hey we you know we really appreciate the work that you've done or everything that you've put in um yeah we want to keep continue to support you so thanks very much if you are on that one second tier we have is coffee addict uh that's 20 bucks a month but what you get is you get a few extras that you don't get in the five dollar tier first one you get is um, we will tell you who's coming up so that way you're aware if you have a question that you would like me to ask the guest you can do that as well uh, and thirdly you also get a shout out like these ones i'm going to give shout outs to our very first uh, patron uh, lauren roach thank you very much um, consistently appreciate everything that you do um, really looking forward to seeing this next book that you've got lined up. I think it'll be quite exciting. Miller and the Bowman was amazing. Second uh, person that is a patron of ours is uh, Michael Boater. Uh, Michael is a busy, busy man. Um, if he is not looking after his kids, he's usually writing. So, um, Mike, thank you very much. Big shout out. Um, he has got a new book that's just finished, crowdfunding, a new anthology book. We're going to hopefully get him in soon and um, sit down and court it all with him, so that'll be awesome. And then the last person uh, is Maggie Coco. Maggie Coco, the amazing musician, um, super busy lady, constantly touring, constantly writing and evolving um, as an artist. It's super cool. Guys, thank you so much for supporting us. I really do appreciate it. You can find us uh, two different ways. You can go to um, Google, type in Patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N, uh, top right-hand corner. Sorry, uh, Patreon, log in, uh, create an account, um, pick the tier that you'd like to support, uh, and then Northland Artists Conversation. It's pretty simple, nice and easy. Easier way is to go www.patreon.com forward slash Northland Artists Conversation. Create an account, pick a tier, boom, Bob's your uncle. Very cool. We would love to have you on board, uh, and we'd love to have your support as well. I'm going to throw to my my white camera now. It's a glorious time of the year. We're in July when we're filming this, and you know by the time this comes out, this will be around August, um, and it means we're going to start rolling into some warmer days, some longer days with a little bit more sunshine. Amazing. Definitely looking forward to it. You know, if there's one thing I love about Northland, it's the beautiful, beautiful beaches that we have. It's the beautiful forests for the walks that you can go on. You know, we are very, very blessed. I will I will definitely say that. Um, I consider it to be one of those really amazing things. So, uh, guys, thank you very much for checking us out. If you've stuck around this far, my name is Mark Kelly. I'm your host. Behind the cameras tonight is uh, producer Andrew. Thanks to Rocky Steventon, and, uh, who's a, a, another editor, and also thanks to Communications, Marino Begman as well. Thank you very much. Uh, so on behalf of the North and Artist Conversation, thanks for checking us out, and we will see you guys real soon.